Hello, and welcome to Engage with Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman in her vital role in shaping society. I'm one of your hosts, Tabitha Walter, the political director of Eagle Forum, and I'm joined by our executive director, Kirsten Hassler. Hi, everyone. We are continuing our Women's History Month series, where we shine a spotlight on womanhood and the women who are making a difference in Congress right now. We've been having such great discussions with strong conservative women who have made it their life's work to uphold the Constitution and guarantee our freedoms. One of these women we have on our podcast today is Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina. We pre-recorded our interview with her so that we wouldn't keep her from her important work. So we'll go ahead and read her bio and then we'll roll with the clip. Congresswoman Mace is a single mom who is raising her family in low country, South Carolina. She worked as a waitress at Waffle House before graduating from the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. She was the first female to graduate from its Corps of Cadets in 1999. Afterwards, she earned a master degree in mass communication from the University of Georgia. And in 2018, Congresswoman Mace won a special election to the South Carolina General Assembly, where she earned the accolade as one of the most fiscally conservative members. And then she joined the U.S. House of Representatives this year. Besides her political career, she is a mom to two children, a business owner, and an author of a book called In the Company of Men, A Woman at the Citadel. Here's the interview. We are so excited to have with us Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina's 1st Congressional District. Welcome to the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me on today. All right, so first, we want to get to know you a little better. What formed your values and your passion for running for Congress? My kids. Um, I do everything. The two most important things in my life are my kids and my country. And it was actually one of my children that encouraged me to run for office, for this office, in fact, um, after I spent a three-year stint in the State House of South Carolina. And uh, my kids have been with me every step of the way and everything I do is for them and, and uh, in honor of them. And I've been in some tough places in life and every time they've just always been there and they're amazing, amazing children. And I remember um, just, I think like two years ago, even one of my children came up to me one time and they were like, you know, I was I was facing some very personal challenges in life. My family was, and it was one of my children that got me into going to church for the first time in a very, very, very long time. And so um, everything I've done, they've always really been the inspiration and influence for me to, to, uh, to work hard and, and to deliver. That's so sweet. Tabitha and I can really resonate with that since we're both mothers too. Mm -hmm. So as a woman and a mother, you have such a special perspective about how government policies really do shape our rights and our livelihoods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, our, our children are the future of America. And so, we're, you know, as moms, we're always looking through that lens. And so how has that shaped your, um, your views about different legislation that's come out this year? Well, it's really, you know, parents, moms and dads, it's really about our kids' future, right? And what they're growing up in today is not what you and I grew up in um, decades ago, right? And uh, we want... We want to get back uh, where we're, I think, I think less divisive and more free. When we're free, we're, we have a greater opportunity to be successful, to create businesses, to prosper, to live, grow, grow up, live, work, and retire in the greatest country in the world. And I want to protect the freedoms that 
for my children's future. And so every decision I make, you know, really when I look at it legislatively is how does this impact our, our country? How does this impact our children's future? And then my children's children, right? What are, what are my grandparents? What kind of country will my, my grandchildren grow up in? I think that's really important to you to, to have that perspective on, on future, right? Because mm -hmm. it's going to impact them. Right. Yeah, there's nothing like having children to really like rev you up about something or, right. or really care about an issue, you know? And to test your patience. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that Congress. Yeah, if you have kids, you can deal with anyone in Congress. So. Learn to yell less, you know, that's <laughs> right. when you get frustrated, but patience really is a virtue. So. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you were the most fiscally conservative lawmaker in the South Carolina legislature, and now the proof is in your votes against recent spending packages passed by the House. Um, you know, the amount of federal spending over the last year has been outrageous. So, uh, but you, you had no problem speaking out against these bills. Can you fill in our listeners uh, what your problems, that, the problems that you saw with this bill were? Yeah, well, this is a $1.9 trillion, quote, COVID relief package, but you really can't call it COVID relief because it's really a liberal spending spray. Uh, only 1% of the original package was allotted for vaccinations, for example, and less than 10% of the overall total package went to COVID relief at all. And you saw Chuck Schumer try to get a bridge in New York, and you saw Nancy Pelosi try to get underground rail in her backyard in Silicon Valley. And you saw a lot of abuses of power in that package. And and if we are going to do, to do another package, it really should be focused on the people who need it most, those who are out of work, those who've lost wages, those whose businesses have been shut down. And we shouldn't be bailing out uh, the Amtraks of the world, Obamacare, pension funds, et cetera. This should really be targeted relief to those who need it, who need it most. And, and uh, we shouldn't be rewarding bad actors. We should not have a blue state bailout. We have many states like South Carolina, my home state, that has somehow managed to keep people healthy and safe while also keeping our economy going and keeping businesses open. And so we're not hurting as much economically because we've been very responsible and smart about the decisions that we make, but not every state's done that. Some states have taken it to extremes and, and not protected people's freedoms and the right to earn a living and, and to raise their children or allow their children to go to school, et cetera. Um, and so we're in this really, really troublesome place. And now the U.S. Senate is trying to get a, do away with the filibuster. And if they do that, they'll literally get away with everything and dismantle our constitution and dismantle the freedoms that we know of right now. And also in the, in the, in the COVID relief package, they're basically trying to create a welfare state. I mean, we all know the more people that get on the government dole, the harder it is to get off and you're more uh, reliant and dependent upon the government and the government, if, if that's the case, the government has more power, control and authority over the individual and the family and, and everyone. So um, these are things that we should be taking more seriously. Mm -hmm. um, since we're dealing with, with taxpayer money. The other thing, we saw the very first bill, HR1, that came through the House last week. That's taxpayer-funded campaigning. Literally six to one for every $200 donation a candidate would get, um, you get six times a match from the taxpayer, right? And that's just that's just wrong, what we're seeing right now. What we're seeing them push through every step of the way, every single week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every week is a new fire to put out, right? <laughs> So switching gears just a little bit, one of the issues you've been outspoken on is the crisis at the border. You and several of your colleagues wrote a letter to the chair of the House Government Oversight and Reform Committee to demand a hearing on the overflowing container facilities that hold incoming immigrants. 
This is a huge problem that seems to only be getting worse. So can you talk about a little bit of your efforts on this issue? Yeah, so I'm on the Oversight and Government Reform Committee where we can investigate and bring many issues to light. And the, the border issue is certainly a significant one. This has become a crisis uh, under the Biden administration since he was sworn in. And you can see interviews of people who were interviewed coming across the border. Hey, we only have 100 days. We've got to get across the border in, in Biden's first 100 days so we can get um, amnesty and become citizens right away. And, and you're hearing that. We're not even testing these people for for COVID-19 when they come across the border. Um, it's a huge issue. And, and here you have, for example, you have open borders, but closed schools. You mm -hmm. have open borders, but a capital that's closed to the people of the United States, supposedly the freest country in the world. And we don't even allow people to visit our capital freely. I mean, it's just, it, it's, I hate politics, okay? But that's the reason I got into politics is because I hate it, so, I, I dislike it so much. I wanna see good people do good things. I wanna see our freedoms protected. And I hate hypocrisy, right? And I think most American people, they don't like hypocrisy either. We need people who can come up here and be consistent um, in their values and how they apply those values across the board. And it shouldn't matter who's in power. We should be consistent in protecting our freedoms under the constitution. Absolutely. And um, you know, we've been really encouraged by the new freshmen coming into Congress like you who really uphold the Constitution and looking forward to having you know those those really good votes this year. Um, before we wrap yeah. up, we we just want to end on a lighthearted note because it you know it's been a rough year both <laughs> you know for for our families personally but also politically. And I know, I'm sure it's, it's hard for you to see bill, bad bill after bad bill come down the pike. What motivates you to push through that negative, negativity and have hope in the end? My family, my kids, I just, I mean, I don't, I, I've been called a lot of names. I've been told a lot of things. And every time I've been told no, or that I can't do something, I've always said, watch me. And if you have a dream and you set a few goals and you work hard, you can achieve it. And for me, my inspiration in life over the last 15 years or so has been my children and everything that I do is for them and for their future and working hard. And I want to set a good example for them that, that if you have a dream, this is a place where you can achieve it. Um, I'm someone who believes in second chances. I, I dropped out of high school when I was 17. I was waiting tables at a Waffle House on the side of the interstate and I had lost all hope for my future. And then when I went to the Citadel, I turned it around and I learned that if I worked hard, I could be successful and graduating at the top of my class. I had a dream and I set those goals and I worked hard to achieve it. And I didn't think I'd be alive at the age of 43, let alone be a member of Congress and to see what I've been able to accomplish, where I've come from, all the failures. I've had as many failures as I've had successes in life, but to see where I've come from, to see where I am today and know what grit it takes, you just can't listen to the negativity when someone's criticizing you or calling you a name or threatening your life in this case, um, because I've had folks threaten to shoot me on social media, et cetera, all across the board, but um, is that I know I'm doing the right thing and I'm doing it for the right reasons. And uh, I want to be I want to be here and be, be successful and be an effective member of Congress, but deliver on the promises that I made on the campaign trail because nothing else really matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good reminder, you know, setting goals and pushing yourself to achieve your dreams is really, it's part of the American dream, not something very unique in the country. And if you love your job, I love my job here, that yeah. doesn't, doesn't feel like work. And right. so I think it's really important to, to find something that you love to do, because then it doesn't feel like 
it doesn't feel like work and you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I, we found one person who's a member of Congress that loves her job. <laughs> <laughs> I might be the only one. <laughs> well, thank but you so much for this important work. Yeah, it is. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and giving our listeners a little bit of an insight into your life and what's motivating you in the halls of Congress. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been so fun, Tabitha, to talk to all these women in Congress right now, hasn't it? Yes. So we had uh, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. We had Congresswoman Lauren Boebert and now Congresswoman Nancy Mace. And And it's really interesting to talk to each of them because they um, they're very strong, confident women, mm-hmm. and they each have um, really great strengths. Um, you know, Debbie Lesko talked a lot about championing women and and the the bills that she has opposed or efforts that she's doing to to really hold up women. And then um, Representative Bobert is, uh, you know, a spitfire on gun control um you know a lot of different things too but that's what she's known for and her strength there and then and then we just talked to nancy mace who is great on the fiscal issues and uh, we talked a little bit about immigration and so you know all these puzzle pieces kind of work together to map out conservative policies in the house so um, it's great to hear their different perspectives on these. Um, and then what it all comes down to is their role as a uh, mom, you know? Yeah. And, and also, you know, they are so motivated by that, but they've all been targeted in some, in some way and haven't, you know, left office. They've continued to push through. So that's also, it's just a great reminder that when we face adversity when we get called names, there's something greater out there that we are ultimately working for. And for them, it's for the well-being of their children, creating a better life and a more free America. Yeah. So I think that will resonate with a lot of people. I know it does with me. Yeah. And, and two, I think the conservative women in uh, Congress are largely ignored. I don't think they're taken as seriously as um, some of the more popular Democrat women, uh, like the squad. There certainly is a record number of conservative women in the House this year. Most of them are great pro-life women who we know will uphold life uh, mm-hmm. this year and um, you know make really great strides to, to block bills that are anti-life. And a lot of that stems from them being moms. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're just really encouraged by the influx of women into Congress and have that voice that we can really resonate with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you guys are interested in following um, Congresswoman Nancy Mace and her efforts on Capitol Hill, her official website is mace.house.gov and we'll link that below in our show notes as well. And then you can find her on Twitter too. If you are listening to this podcast, be sure to subscribe, share with your friends and leave us a review. You can find us on all of the major social media outlets and at engagewitheagleforum.com. From your house to the state house to the White House, this is Engage with Eagle Forum. We're coming at you with a special segment. So are we, are we for sure on Swamp Beat? I don't know. <laughs> I think it'd be cute. All right. So we're doing another Swamp Beat, Tabitha? Yep. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Welcome back to another Swamp Beat. We are in the week of March 22nd and the house is out this week. Thank God. Are you still alive, Kirsten? Uh, I think so, but after uh, scoring four bills last week, uh, <laughs> um, I'm ready for them to be in recess and hopefully to not have any mischief to be uh, tracking this week. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Well, we wanted to give you an update though of what happened last week in our predictions of what's to come. So grab a pencil and a paper because there is a lot. Yeah, the first bill to pass was HJ Res 17. And if you recall, this is a resolution to remove the seven year ratification deadline of the 1972 Equal Rights Amendment or the ERA. We talk about the ins and out of the ERA in our previous Swamp Beat from a couple of weeks ago and in our podcast. So if you're looking for more information on the ER, be sure to check those out. This has ended up being a 50 year fight. And guess what? Feminists are actually realizing that the ERA is bad for women. <laughs> the feminist organization called Women's Liberation Front, or WOLF, voiced their opposition this week to the resolution due to many reasons, but mainly because of the changing definition of the word sex to include individuals who identify outside of biological sex. We are so happy to agree with them on many of the reasons to oppose the ERA. And the resolution ended up passing last Wednesday in the House with only four Republicans voting for it. Yeah, that's so good. And we're so excited to reach across the aisle and have, you know, what they call strange bedfellows <laughs> over here. Mm -hmm. The second bill that passed last week was the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act, which was H.R. 1620. Eagle Forum has taken a long stance against the bill because of a wealth of issues, including gun control, amnesty provisions, abortion-funded programs, and a lot more. <laughs> now, this year, they went a step further by eliminating the word women in the bill and replaced it with other words like people. This was a blatant attempt to make the bill gender neutral, despite the irony of the word women being used in the bill title. When the bill went for a vote in the House this week, an alarming 29 Republicans voted in favor. And that's a lot. Yeah, that really was disappointing. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we have a lot more work to do on the SOGI issues if you know that really does indicate that it's not over yet. Right. Um, and the Senate hasn't exactly been silent on women's issues either. They entertained the Senate version of the Equality Act last week in a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. One of the Republican-picked witnesses was author Abigail Schreier, who has done extensive research and writing on the subject of transgender issues. She did not hold back in her opening statement. She said, quote, I have probably interviewed more transgender Americans than any person in this room, and I can honestly say that, excepting political activists, most do not want to obliterate women's rights in safe spaces. Most would never think of stealing women's scholarships by forcing young women into demoralizing contests with male bodies. But gender ideology, which is at the heart of this bill, is misogyny in progressive clothing. Gender ideology tells women and girls that they are not entitled to their fear or their sense of unfairness as their protective spaces are eliminated. In the name of inclusivity, you will have made it far less safe, far less fair, and far less inclusive for America's women and girls, end quote. There is no indication of when this bill will actually go through the Senate, but currently it would need 60 votes to pass, which really does seem unlikely at this point. 
if it sounds like we are repeating ourselves, we really are. <laughs> all three of these bills are different versions of the same concept. They all erase women's rights. It's even more frustrating that they keep pushing these policies forward during Women's History Month of all times. Anyways, I digress. Eagle Forum is holding your representatives accountable by scoring all of these bills. Now, if you don't know about our scoring system, it's a great way to keep tabs on your representatives. Mm -hmm. When we have a bill that comes up that we wanna hold a representative accountable for, we send out a score letter either in favor or in opposition of the bill. If they don't vote the right way, they get a lower rating with us. This is particularly helpful when you're trying to decide who to vote for during an election. You can find that information on our website at eagleform.org. If you go to the drop-down menu, click politics, and then scoreboard, you go to a page that allows you to put in your zip code to see your representatives. So that's all we have for you today. You won't see us doing a swamp beat for a couple weeks because the House and the Senate will both be in recess due to the Easter holiday, but we will be back once they're back in session. So we will see you then.